The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It's finally Friday. It's August 18th, and today is National Pinot Noir Day. You hear that, Yarrow? It's also National Ice Cream Pie Day, National Fajita Day, and National Mail Order. Guess what it is, Rico? No, it's not Bride. It's Catalog Day. That's right. Thank you for joining us and getting <laughs> high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And uh, eventually audio only on Twitter spaces, but we'll see when that day comes. I'm not going to hold my breath. But nonetheless... We are going to bring it up and start it up with a dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, the professional flip-flopper, the professional backstroker, and, of course, the professional glow tan man. That's right. It is none other than, than the Mr. Rico Lamite. You all right, Rico? That looks tan. That looks tan? Yeah, bro. When you had your other light on, you looked like glow tan. Yeah, man. You why are you bringing up old shit, man? <laughs> man, thank you, Jason. Um, I think I'm looking, uh, uh, I got some color to me, man. I've been out in the sun this morning. But um, my story today is all about psychedelics, cannabis, and alcohol. And it's coming from your favorite government agency, Jason, the National Institute of Health. That's right. A newly released NIH-funded monitoring the future study revealed that it, when it comes to drugs and alcohol, despite what your favorite prohibitionist propaganda news outlets have been telling you, the kids, I repeat, the kids are all right. The parents and grandparents, though, they've been turning all the way up. Uh, the 2022 MTF study was conducted by the University of Michigan, and the new results are an extension of the group's previously released study from last year focusing on teen consumption. Uh, researchers for this round surveyed adults both online and via paper surveys from April through 20, uh, through October 2022, uh, dividing the data into two age groups that conducted trend analyses, 19 to 30 years old and 35 to 50 years old. 
MTF concluded that while there were mixed results with other substances, teenage marijuana use bucked all other trends, showing a year-over-year decline, especially in places where cannabis is legal. But for adults, alcohol, cannabis, and psychedelic consumption continued a long-term upward trajectory, um, reaching all-time highs in 2022. So take that, Kevin Sabet. Let's dig into the highlights here. Uh, among adults aged 35 to 50, hallucinogens, uh, cannabis use, and vaping all reached historically historically high levels in 2022. Uh, cannabis use among young adults between 19 and 30 hit 44% in 2022, while 28% of adults between 35 and 50 said that they'd use cannabis in the last 12 months. Uh, 29% of young adults said they consumed cannabis in the past month, 11% on a daily basis. 35 to 50 age group reported uh, past month cannabis use at 17% and daily consumption at 7%. When it came to vaping and cannabis, uh, vaping both cannabis and nicotine, uh, the results were very, very telling too. The percentage of adults 19 to 30 years old who reported vaping weed in the past year increased from uh, 12% in 12 uh, in 2017 to 21% in 2022, the highest levels reported since the category was added to the survey back in 2017, up two percentage points from 2021, nine points up from 2017. The percentage of adults in the same age group uh, were reported vaping nicotine over the past year. Uh, they reached historic highs in 2022 at 24%, a full 10% bump from 2017 levels. When it came to hallucinogenic substances, the rate of past year use in the 19 to 30 year old group reached 8% in 2022, about the same as the prior year, but nearly doubled the rate from five years ago. Um, and 4.5% said that they'd consumed in the past 12 months. 4% of the older 35 to 50 year olds used psychedelics in the past year, doubled the rate reported in 2021 and four times the rate from five years ago. When it came to alcohol, both Benzinga and marijuana uh, moment versions of this article did not list exact numbers, but they gave a broad assessment saying that binge drinking has steadily been on the decline over the past decade among younger adults surveyed. But in the 35 to 50 year old group, 2022 registered the highest prevalence of binge drinking ever recorded, clocking in significant past year, five year and 10 year increases. A full list of uh, MTG, MTF uh, survey results can be found in the links provided by both sources. Uh, NIDA director Nora Volkow, uh, Dr. Nora Volkow said this about the study's findings. Substance use is not limited to teens and young adults, and these data help us understand how people use drugs across the lifespan. Understanding these trends is a first step, and it's crucial that research continues to illuminate how substances, uh, how substance use and related health impacts may change over time. We want to ensure that people from the earliest to the latest stages in adulthood are equipped with up-to-date knowledge to help inform decisions related to substance use, end quote. Yes, knowledge is truly power, Dr. Volkow. For sake of time, I'm going to resist diving into the rabbit hole as to why data was missing for 31 to 34-year-olds, Jesus. Besides that, the trend here I'm most surprised to see is older adults doubling the consumption rates of their younger counterparts when it came to psychedelics. I definitely would have thought the uh, 19 to 30-year-old category would have had that one on lock. Um, but yeah, interesting data generated from MTF study, and I can't wait to dig deeper on the full report this weekend. But I want to hear what y'all think. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Are the kids okay?
Can we say that now, Jason? I just, I, I, I'm just really impressed that uh, Dr. Talleyrand's age bracket is like the highest growth segment going on over here. Psychedelics, okay. y'all. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, how do you know how old I am? Oh, come on, uh, Dr. T. Uh, <laughs> I've known you for a lot of years. <laughs> it's been about twenty years. Has yeah, it been? a little more uh, than that. Yeah, this is an interesting study because, uh, well, it, it, it's, I'm curious for a few things, you know, Nora Volkow, National Institute of Drug Abuse, um, is she looking at pharmaceutical use as well? Because if you're going to look at substances of abuse, they are being abused as well. And so that, that needs to be compared to cannabis. I, I'm not surprised. I think the younger generation is getting more sophisticated in terms of what is abusive and what is not. And so they're using, uh, they're picking and choosing while my generation is trying to relieve the stress of uh, the COVID years. 20, this was taken in, in 2022. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see what happens in subsequent years post COVID. Agreed. People have been drinking though. <laughs> Old folks been getting it. Yeah, in they've been the they've bottle. been doing they've been getting with their crossfade. Like I, I I like this generation. They they they, they turn up. They popping. They smoking. Yeah, they drinking. They're just like just like whatever. Like the world's coming to an end. We might you know Joe Biden's the president. We might as well just get crazy. <laughs> Definitely Fair think enough. it's a reflection of stress in society for sure. That's what I just said, Doctor Talleyrand. I agreed with you for once. That's good. <laughs> I love it. I what do you think about this one, Gretchen? I, I, I see you. Uh, I see you mulling over these numbers. She's, she's just chewing peaches. I'm just loving my peaches right now. It's peach season. That's mm -hmm. the only thing that I'm excited about this morning. Uh, what? 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 Trying to get some of that. Uh, the patented. Uh, uh, I'm uh, making a blackberry co cobbler later, Rico. Nice. Oh, I knew that was coming up next. And just like Dr. Talleyrand, these numbers don't surprise me. I expect everyone is, you know, in indulging a bit after Corona. And, and I'm willing you know, to... you, you, none of either y'all are, uh, uh, are surprised like I was that the younger adults aren't really aren't really increasing in numbers on psychedelics. I, I thought that, you know, with all the mushrooms and, um, LSD and uh, 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 decriminalization it's, movements it's, that we've seen. I thought that the younger group would have been uh, more down to be on psychedelics than the older group. It's one of two things, Rico. It's either one, they're lying, or two, their, their, their straw sample for this poll was taken in an area that is lacking access to psychedelics. That's what I was going to say. I, I, how oh, much access is there that. out there to psychedelics? Oh, look at I, that. I would say no. I would say no to that. I would say no to that no? because it was, done, it was done by the University of Michigan. It was, it was online. So, I mean, anybody can do it online, but it was done by the um, University of Michigan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's plenty of shit in Michigan. There's a lot of drugs in yeah. Michigan. Just because it was conducted by Michigan doesn't mean it was done in Michigan. Exactly. It's not I think this is, the real, this is the real answer to to drug use in, in any society is education. Once you have education, you're going to see use go down. You know, it's, it's not so much, ooh, what is this? Now you know what it is, and you pick and choose what you're in the mood for. So I think this is all about education, and I believe these numbers. You believe the numbers? So you believe the 31 to 35 that they just don't show up and do anything? 
<laughs> they're busy prosthetizing or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, they are, yeah, the thirty-one to thirty-five-year-olds. They, they just did not clock in for this uh, survey. I don't know. Yeah, well, we we, like we I got, said I'm not going to go. I'm not going to dive into the rabbit hole on that one. So yeah, we got to. Uh, since you're not going to go on the rabbit hole, we got a full show. So we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. Let's do it. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Up next, he is the longest continuously operating retailer in the world. And um, no, he will not be in Bedminster, New Jersey, on Monday for a um, uh, for a press release because um, it's not happening, is it, Jason? Uh, well, you know Jason what is happening. You know what is happening is the governor of Georgia is recalling the DA, that woke DA. So you know, good things are happening. But nonetheless, I have a real story, story? for you. I have a real story for you, Rico. All right. And my story's a little long, so I apologize, guys. But here's a full breakdown of everything that's happening in New York in regards. Because the court grants a TRO, and for those of you that don't know what that is, that means a temporary restraining order prohibiting the OCM and the New York State Cannabis Control Board from awarding more curd licenses for at least a period of two weeks. A group of four military veterans filed a lawsuit two weeks ago in New York State Supreme Court against the New York Office of Cannabis Management, the OCM, claiming that the agency's rules to prioritize applicants with prior cannabis convictions for dispensary licenses violated the New York Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, the MRTA. Fiori versus New York uh, State Cannabis Control Board, where the plaintiff sought and received a temporary restraining order after, or excuse me, barring the OCM from issuing or further processing applications for licenses or from conferring, uh, confirming operational approval upon any other conditional adult use retail dispensary. Curd program, which has, uh, been, which has been reserved for applicants with a New York State cannabis-related criminal conviction and a record of profitable business ownership. On August 7th, 2023, the court granted a temporary restraining order, a TRO, prohibiting the OCM and the NYS Cannabis Control Board, the CCB, from awarding any further processing or, or processing any more curd licenses and or conferring operational approval. Um, upon, upon these provisions, the curd licenses pending further order of the court, as of August 14th, there are 463 total curd licenses, of which 442 have not yet opened their doors and likely have not received OCM approval to begin operations. In a complaint filed in the New York State Supreme Court, the four plaintiffs are seeking an order from the court declaring that the curd program, an, uh, an ultra-virus, virus and unconstitutional licensing category that both violates the MRTA and New York separation of powers doctrine and enjoying the state ident identity or ident excuse me in in indefinitely from awarding or further processing any more curd licenses and or from authorizing any more curd licenses to adult use retail dispensaries. The CCB and the OCM's response filed on Wednesday, August 9th, first argued that there is no irreparable harm as the allegations of critical time and valuable retail locations lost 
are not concrete and even if they can be proven would only amount to monetary damages. The defendants continued their argument by stating that the CURD program is consistent with the MRTA as Article 2 of the law gave the CCB the rule by, by stating that the CURD program is consistent with MRTA as Article 2 of the law give, given that the CCB the rulemaking authority to recognize and provide for the issuance of other license types to be approved. The defendants further argued that the CURD program follows the legislative history and intent of the MRTA, which is to, in quotes, alleviate past deleterious impacts on individuals from justice-involved communities, and that the legislature approved on the CURD program through acknowledgement of its status and providing funding to cover the cost of the program through the New York 2022-2023 Aid to Localities Bill and the Transportation Economic Development and Environmental Conservation Bill of 2022-2023 in their budget. Despite these indirect acknowledgments, the presiding judge, Justin Kevin Barnett, presented the defendants who inevitably conceded that there is no specific reference to the CURD program in any legislation. The defendants' final argu argument stated that the plaintiff's delay in commencing the action is prejudicial and current CURD licensees, many of whom are days or weeks away from opening, have invested significant capital and have ongoing obligations to their landlords, lenders, employees, and other supply chain partners. And that injunction's impact on the program as a whole would be catastrophic. The defendants also highlighted that an injunction would backfire on the plaintiffs by causing the OCM to fail to adopt the vast majority of regulations under the MRTA, which they otherwise expect to occur on September 12th, with the application window opening on October 4th. OCM intends to further delay the adoption of regulations and the, the application window so that they have an opportunity to add specific definitions from the CURD program, including, but not limited to, in quotes, justice-involved individuals, which would cause a two-and-a-half-month delay. Counsel for several Kurds uh, appeared at the hearing, pled their case as well, which was particularly uh, poignant for Kurds who are within days or weeks of opening and will suffer incalculable losses given the commercially unrealistic option of mothballing, of mothballing operations, they say, that are on the cusp of launching in earliest or continuing to incur significant losses under an indefinite time frame and an unclear future. Uh, Justice Bryant ultimately extended the TRO for two more weeks until the next hearing scheduled for August 25th. Both parties have until 5 p.m. on Tuesday to file revised arguments. Perhaps the most important message from Justice Bryant was, was a strongly worded suggestion to the parties to privately negotiate a settlement prior to the August 25th hearing, so it would not be far-fetched to think there will be a concrete resolution at any point between now and the 25th. One alternative potential uh, ending to this story is that we see fast-track legislation from Albany explicitly authorizing the CURD program an, an idea on an idea publicly suggested by Senator Jer Jeremy Cooney, chairman of the Senate Subcommittee on Cannabis. One thing is certain, the stakes are rising for New York for everyone. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do you guys think about this? I think these people are all going to get screwed. Uh, it's pronounced card. Whatever. It's a curd program, bro. 
C-A-U-R-D. It is pronounced uh, card, but it is uh, curding, curdling up like curd. Yeah, curds and whey is everything I think about when I see no it. Yes. All curds, no way. <laughs> <laughs> All the curds. Yeah. I hope um, the solution is, is worked out that there's a settlement and that uh, veterans are given the same opportunity that justice involved individuals are, which is open up their dispensaries. Uh, meanwhile, the free unregulated market in New York City continues to kill it and will end up strangling uh, any regulated businesses that are that eventually get approved. Omar, Omar, how are they going to come to a settlement when the OCM has already pulled out of negotiations in regards with uh, these veterans? The judge told them to get back to the negotiating table. So yeah, yeah, but then, then, yeah, they, yeah. then, then they pulled out. They said, we're not even, we're not dealing with this. After that. Well, then. They're pulled out. Know, the I think there's going to be tremendous pressure on OCM to uh, come up with a solution. Otherwise, the judge is just going to keep extending the TRO and might, maybe we'll come up with a permanent injunction until the issue gets addressed. Yeah, I, I could see them coming up with a permanent injunction until there is some type of uh, resolution. Basically, the OCM is sitting on the football. Stop fucking the football. <laughs> I mean, I just had this really weird visual around that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really sure where the insertion point is. Um and I'm feeling chafed. I mean, the Kurds have traditionally been uh, discriminated against by many of the Iraqi people anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That, wrong that, region. That, wrong that, region. That's per, that's and then the other okay. thing was you, you talked about like a TRO. You had to explain that to us, Jason. Like I used to get those every Valentine's Day when I was single. So I don't understand why anybody wouldn't know what a TRO is. Well, right. There's, there's I a get lot of those. people that watch the show that don't know what a TRO is. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I guess my Valentine's days were different than some other people's. Apparently, maybe I don't know. Apparently. I mean, the thing that's yeah. most challenging to me is that when New York came on to the regulated adult use scene, there was this bravado about how they were going to get it right. They were going to do it different. And 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 I just I wish there was a little bit more realistic, for lack of a better word, humility from that market. I understand the massive oversized consumer draw that it has that we cannot just sit here in the emerald triangle and talk about the history of cannabis without really being reverent to the the oversized contribution that the five bureaus and and that and that entire market that entire region has had with with cannabis since the beginning of cannabis but there was this hubris around getting it right and the number of stores that were going to be open and all of this stuff and i just I wonder why it is that people who haven't gotten kicked in the nuts can't just look out on the horizon and see other people that have gotten kicked in the nuts and go, well, what are we going to do to avoid getting kicked in the nuts? And when New York got kicked in the nuts, it reminded me of one of those little like Shaolin monk memes where the guy's like hitting himself in his gonads with a big bowling ball over and over and over as a, as a form of training, because we're seeing this in New York. And I just, you know, to piggyback on what Omar said, the biggest threat to regulated cannabis is unregulated cannabis and the, the challenges regulated stakeholders have and differences amongst each other. If they allow that to overshadow the fact that this is really about trying to create market share through a regulated and age restricted supply chain more than anything else, 
the the amount of infighting is just infinite. And I would say infidels since I'm going back to Kurds and Kurdistan. And so I just don't understand how people think that litigation is a solution. And we're seeing that that model pop up in Alabama all put down their pens and start trying to figure out stakeholders and how do we stay out of court? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I just don't see them coming to a solution, coming, coming to like coming to singing Kumbaya anytime soon. I mean, Gretchen, Gretchen, you love New York. What, what do you what do you think about this? Because the MSOs are getting involved in this lawsuit, too. Sure, they should. They should. Uh, yes. Of course, she stands York- up for the MSOs. Uh, whatever. I stand up for <laughs> anyone who can actually open some doors and sell some weed. Uh, I'm just Ooh. saying. Uh-huh. New York has screwed the pooch on this one. It's time to admit they've screwed the pooch and really try and figure it. I don't know if I I agree with Yarrow. I don't see how you stay out of court. I mean, I, I don't see other remedies for this because people just aren't going to say, yes, I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. Yaro, how should we do this right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the Kurdish region, we typically do a dance off and burn a goat. I mean, oh, cook a goat. Who doesn't love goat? What's that, Rico? Gretchen, it seems like a complete. It, looks, it seems like a complete flip flop to what you were saying earlier this year about how New York. Your, uh, how New York was going to go through with everything that Kathy Hochul was, she, uh, was putting out there. She's a fish out of water right now. You know that, Rico. What are you talking about? Flipping and flopping. I ain't flipping and flopping. Flipping and flopping. The only thing I ever said was I did bet Jason Beck that they would open a dispensary before the end of the year, which he did not pay out on. Bet number like 4,000. He didn't pay out on 4,000. He said they're going to get their shit together and everything's going to be all good by the end of the year. No, I never said it'd be all good by the end of the year. And even if I did, we're not at the end of the year yet. You did did say it would be all good by the end of the year. Just it's just just uh, I had had an insider tell me uh, yesterday that they'll be very surprised that uh, if there's 50 open in New York by the end of this year. Yeah, right. They're at twenty now. They're at twenty three, and and they three, have, three or four of them over, are delivery uh, only. Two hundred licenses issued, so you would hope some of those people could get their shit together and open up they're, their business. They're, they're, they're not. It's not about those people getting their shit together. I mean, let's talk about the lack of transparency with the hundred and fifty million dollar fund that was supposed to be there to support justice oh, that, that involved fake money. in social I equity. I get it, retailers. but you shouldn't have gone into this thinking I'm just going to get a free dispensary. And if that's in other words, we should then... not trust the government and what they say no, these programs are going to do for. So why don't we sell them the hopes and dreams instead of the ways and means? And while they put their own time and opportunity cost into it, why don't we dash their hopes on the rocks of the shore of new policy while these people are in being positioned? Why don't we? I mean, this is the equivalent of regulatory blue balls. Everybody is ready to go, and there is no fucking to be had. Hey, I mean, Yara, why don't we just tell people the reality of life is that you get things when you work for them and you just don't get handouts in America. I mean, programs aren't handouts, though. They're just open doors. We're talking about this 140 million bucks I'm talking about as a handout. You got to put an asterisk on that. Work their ass off that are underbanked and underserved and are not going to go get a loan from anybody else and aren't going to find investors that are willing you, you, you're you're not juxtaposing some of these individuals in the light of just the historic and generational oppression. And what we're trying not to do is is instill a new level of generational debt 
by setting up these new equity entrepreneurs for failure. This whole conversation, I'm like but, so conflicted in both directions. But, that, but that's, well, what, that's what's new, happened with every other market, The problem market, with Dale. this whole conversation is New York should not have announced this program unless they had the $150 million sitting yep. in the bank ready to pass it exactly. out. Exactly. That's what should have happened. And they never had they, the money they to They were going with. to the private market for the money. And so there's right. also- The private market said no. Why would yep. we give all this money to social equity applicants who don't know how to run businesses? That's mm -hmm. what the private market said. Exactly. Indeed. There, yeah. There, there's, listen, the setup has been, you know, uh, you don't- That's right. I don't have to tell you. The setup has been the the failure, and, and in a lot of places, the money was handed out before the education, and I'll underline what Dr. Talleyrand said earlier. It's about the education as well, that, you know, if you didn't go to college for this, then you don't even understand the nature of the money that you are receiving, whether or not you need to pay taxes on it. It is a grant. Is it a loan? Is it investment? How much of a piece of you are, are they taking now and later? And a lot of that, they everyone got into bed with their partners before they got any of that information. And so the, the backtracking of what the hell did I get myself into in some of these relationships too. So there's plenty of blame to go around, but part of the problem is, is that the lawsuits are now built into the business plans and that is gumming up everything. I don't care who you are. <laughs> well said, Dale. Very well said. And with that, we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep this rolling because New York is a total mess, and we're not gonna come to a conclusion on this story by the end of the day with all of these uh, amazing opinions that we have going on. And you know, some of them are realistic, some of them are not. But nonetheless, we have an unrealistic one coming up next. That's right. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and loves to parade her dogs in atrocious outfits that even tourists are scared to approach. That's right. It's none other than the great. Gretchen Gailey. Jason just hates it when I point out he owes me five, six hundred dollars in uh, unpaid bets. You are so funny. Yeah, you are so Gretchen funny. Do you, have, you, have, you have flip flops for your dogs too. She is just gonna ask. <laughs> no, they don't like. They don't like the shoes. They have. They have. She, has, she does have galoshes for them though. When it's rain. When it I rains it, outside. I do not put galoshes on them. That makes them walk weird. They don't like them. Anyway. Dogs, that means you've eaters. tried. <laughs> Everybody's she tried. She has them. She has them. When I lived in New York, people were like, you'd be crazy not to put shoes on your dogs. Right. Anyway. Okay, that's uh, true. Uh, headline. I'm. It's a Friday, so I'm going to be glass half full and give you some optimistic news about the federal government. My headline. Census Bureau begins collecting data about marijuana business economic activity as market enters mainstream. The U.S. Census Bureau is updating its survey of American companies to better capture marijuana-related economic activity part of an effort to keep up with the nation's ever-changing business landscape. For the first time, the 2022 Economic Census, which is being conducted right now, and asks businesses about their activities from last year, includes options for respondents to identify themselves as part of the cannabis economy. While there are no specific questions about cannabis in the 2022 Economic Census, the Bureau said on its website, there are options to select cannabis as a primary business activity, uh, for retail and wholesale establishments. Other survey responses attempt to capture the value of marijuana goods and services produced by American businesses. For example, cannabis-infused beverages, foods, and topicals. It even uh, gives specific examples of such products, including cannabis, face creams, tinctures, shampoos, cakes, and pies. 
Measuring the growth and changes in the economy will ensure these topics are captured in key measures of economic activity, according to the Bureau, and that the economic census remains relevant in an ever-changing world. In other words, federal government not only recognizes that products like cannabis-infused gummies are currently being bought and sold on American markets, it also wants data on that activity. The Census Bureau had already taken steps to build a better understanding of the marijuana market under federal prohibition, including its 2021 decision to begin collecting data on cannabis tax revenue that states are generating. States are now asking to provide that information as part of annual and quarterly reports that they send to the Bureau. This goes on, yada, 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 lots of stuff about the feds and they suck. However, it is a good thing that they are looking for data, that they are trying to take this baby step uh, and better understand this industry. Big Brother stepping in, looking at stuff is a good thing. This Gretchen Pride and I News. You know what I bet this is all about, Gretchen? This is just the IRS subcontracting the Census Bureau to get data so then that way they can put erroneous taxes and obligations onto our businesses and have the justification for it to screw us over. I thought we were, I thought, I thought we had a full house today. We we're staying away from rabbit holes, staying out of the rabbit hole, man. I'm just saying. Yes, but I'm not here to co-sign normalizing footwear on dogs. I think that's a very slippery slope. I, I think you're crazy, Yarrow. I mean, come on. They look so cute. I don't know, man. Uh, uh, having uh, cannabis on the, uh, the census data. Um, hold on, hold on. Well, for, oh, you don't, you're ju- not a fan, Rico. Ju- judging Rico by by your last story, everyone from 31 to 35 isn't going to turn their data into the census anyway. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ died at 33 years old. Just see saying. what I'm saying? Just saying. Mm-hmm. You know what was he on? Mm-hmm. He I think on, it's going to have a beneficial bush. impact on regulation because the economic impacts of cannabis businesses will become clear to policymakers. So, you know, you, 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 you think, you think, you think that, the, that they're going to actually use this for the benefit of the good Omar. Well, you never know. I mean, they started, they added about cannabis and with NAICS uh, last year. Uh, so, I mean, there are things coming around and cannabis was not the only new addition to uh, the survey. They included uh, crypto and electric vehicles. Yeah. So, very, 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 very boring. Uh, what gets measured, friends? That's, that's yeah. actually why we put up the first tax cannabis. And I know I'm sorry, but back in the day, it was the only way to show value to our locals was to show them the money and show them our value as a business community. And that's what started to change the hearts and minds of the electeds and uh, the investors and the, the folks that you know, started to, to move the needle. We're certainly not there yet, and it's not always the right way for damn sure, but... Well, gotta... you know what changes hearts and minds of elected officials is... Campaign well, other than the money. No, Jagoffs. Uh, data collected <laughs> by the actual government. So this it's is like a good Andy. thing. Mm-hmm. You're so right. right. And Gretchen is wrong. I'm always right. Shut up. Where did that? I didn't even see your lips move. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> bullshit. Who came up that button? Can we get a jag off button? I would like a jag off button. Oh man, I'm sure everyone like a jag off button. Yeah. Now we're shaming autoeroticism after promoting dog footwear. This is a really crazy Friday. Yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna go to commercial. We're gonna be right back. 
The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. This OG cannabis doctor is well known in Northern California and other places for riding wrecks longer than a CVS receipt. <laughs> That one was terrible. Coming to the stage next, y'all know who it is. It's the great doctor himself, Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Thank you, Rico. You get one bad one a year. That was it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> happy Friday, everyone. My story today comes from Marijuana Moment by Kyle Yeager. The headline is Medical Cannabis Use Linked to Improved Quality of Life and Better Job Performance for people with neurological disorders, new study finds. It is what it is. Medical cannabis use is associated with improved quality of life, including better job performance, sleep, appetite, and energy. In this study, researchers at the University of West Attica in Greece conducted a survey of 100 people receiving medical cannabis. The purpose of the study was to investigate the stigma of cannabis and the quality of life of its medical consumers. The participants were given demographic and clinical questionnaires, including the SF36 health survey scale for assessing quality of life. Um, all participants were recommended cannabis for medical reasons. 58% used cannabis for neurological disorders. 96% reported improved symptoms, including better energy and vitality, 68%. Improvement of sleep, 79%, and appetite, 71%. The longer the participants used cannabis, the longer they reported better energy, physical, and mental health. Furthermore, 85% discussed their medical cannabis use with their families, and 93% enjoyed the support of their families. Yet, 81% did not reveal their medical cannabis use to the social circles outside of their family. A similar story was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association a few months ago. Patients using medical cannabis with chronic pain and insomnia reported improved quality of life. The effect was sustained over time. Another recent study out of the University of Colorado demonstrated that medical cannabis improves cognition and reduced pain among cancer patients receiving chemotherapy. Finally, another recent study published out of the Journal of Drug Policy found that states with only medical cannabis laws had significant reductions in health insurance premiums from years three to nine after the laws were passed. Study after study shows the benefit of medical cannabis. However, I rarely see a headline on the benefit of adult use cannabis. There's mostly discussion on high taxes, and restrictions on dosing. Those states that have legalized adult-use cannabis seem to be burdened by a suffering cannabis industry. Patients are having trouble accessing cannabis. Certain states even put the brakes on legalizing adult-use cannabis 
noting the problems encountered by their predecessors. I've always been in support of access to cannabis. Any product that is safer than aspirin should be as accessible as aspirin. There are no legal restrictions to buying, legal age restrictions to buying medicine. This study describes access to cannabis and quality of life for medical patients. Are adult use cannabis laws a problem? What do you think? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand for Hyatt Nine News. Ooh, I like that, Dr. Dr. T. I wanted to bring a little spice for the conversation. A spicy. Yeah, no, this is this is this yeah, is great no, data. This just just makes me want to just smoke more weed. Yeah. But what do you think that the adult use law screwed us over, uh, Jason? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The adult use law screwed us over. They made everything more expensive. They made everything less desirable. And, uh, and, 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 and I would argue too, that they've made everything less accessible, even less accessible. Exactly. Kids could walk in, uh, uh, with their parents and get medical cannabis in the past. Yep. And not, and not to mention even, even to the, 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 the dosing, the dosing, uh, requirements on things. Like I can't tell you how many patients would come in on a regular basis and buy thousand milligram edibles on a weekly basis. And, and now that they have to turn to the illicit market in order to find anything that, that suits their tolerance in the name of protecting the children. Yeah. And that's a disservice to a significant number of people. We're, we're gathering data on that. There are definitely people probably for metabolic reasons that require higher doses and others that, re that prefer lower doses. So mm -hmm. it's a real thing. It is. That is for sure. And these adult use laws did not eliminate cannabis prohibition. You know, they basically downgraded felonies into misdemeanors so that uh, law enforcement still bust people for cannabis and it just made people uh kind of like take their eyes off the ball cannabis is not yet legal anywhere in the united states Facts. not even the states that supposedly legalized it that was a big problem with all these quasi legalization measures that were uh proposed and so we still have don't have legal cannabis anywhere in the u.s i think it's time to re-legalize it the way jack Herrera says and going back to the story you know, one of the uh, benefits of cannabis is euphoria. And that has not really been mentioned, but that's a medical side effect. And it's not really a side effect. I think euphoria is something that we need more of in this society. That's why people are self-soothing with alcohol, with psychedelics, even with cannabis, uh, because there's a lack of euphoria in our disconnected society. Real trap shit. Facts. Facts. I can get down with that, Omar. I can. I can totally, totally get with you on that on those types of statements because I'm. That's exactly what I'm seeing as well. You got anything on this, Gretchen? Or are we going to keep it moving? Well, no. I would just totally agree. I believe that adult use has totally uh, derailed medical legalization in this country. And if we hadn't pushed so hard on adult use, you would have a national legal medical program by now. So we should blame everything on Colorado. Yes. Okay. All right. And California. Well, no, no, and no, no, Maryland, no, no, Colorado, and New York, Colorado, Colorado. We're blaming it on Colorado, Doctor T. We're blaming it on Colorado. They, they, they did it first and wanted to wanted to chime themselves as the holier than thou state and da 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 da. And they did it right better than everyone else. So Colorado, you can take the bait. But nonetheless, we were going to blame Canada. But I mean, I'm fine with bl I'm blaming Canada, but yeah, but. but I, 
I, I do want to say like one action item for all you policy wonks out there watching the show. The one thing you can do is make sure that as you work to legalize, you also work to decriminalize because when you only legalize for 21 and up, you're put, putting the target on the backs of our youth. And it's usually black, brown and indigenous youth that are targeted. So I uh, hear here to everything Omar said. Thank you, Dr. Talleyrand, for bringing the story. Which is even more the reason we need to deschedule cannabis now. But nonetheless, that's right. She's she's coming up next. That's right. It's Miss Dale. Yeah, Dale Jones. Oh, yeah, it's not the Dow Jones. It's the Dale Jones coming up. She's the chancellor of Osterdam University and has a little brief public comment for you, too, before she kicks off her story. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Jason. I do have a public service announcement. Really, it is an invitation, especially for all you friends in the Northeast or those of you that have friends in the Northeast. We are celebrating a not dysfunctional state program. It's true. Connecticut Social Equity Council sponsored a 10 month accelerator program to launch their equity entrepreneurs and it is almost here on september 6th so i'm hoping that you will join me this is also a showcase and mixer uh it is the culmination of the oaksterdam university and social equity cannabis business accelerator program along with our amazing coalition reset we have arcview we have the minority cannabis business association and the international cannabis bar association they have all been a part of educating these entrepreneurs, and the day is going to include multiple components. The morning kicks off with pitch day. So if you are an investor or you know one, uh, you do have an opportunity with these entrepreneurs who are licensed in a limited market. Hopefully all those words pricked your ears. Um, and in addition to that, we're doing the graduation uh, celebration luncheon, followed by the uh, equity uh, well, it's a full, really, industry uh, mixer and business showcase. So if you want a table, if you want to uh, meet the supply chain or the government, we've got a lot of regulators that are coming and some elected. So it's for you, uh, supply chain, ancillary operators, um, qualified investors, and, of course, cannabis community leaders. So hopefully I will see you there. I'll be flying out there shortly. So go to oaksterdamuniversity.com slash equity dash Connecticut. We do have the press release hitting on Monday. You can also go to the State of Connecticut Social Equity Council website and click on Oaksterdam University. So I was actually born in Connecticut, raised by New Yorkers. Um, so I look forward to seeing some of my East Coast friends and family. And I was told to roll right into my story. Uh, and funny story, my 99-year-old grandma lives in Connecticut still and she thinks prohibition is bullshit. Her words, not mine. This woman still bowls every Thursday. I'm just saying. <laughs> She's bowls fierce. of weed or actually bowling? No, real actual, like, lift a eight. I asked. It's an eight-pound bowl. And every Thursday. She's like, don't call me on Thursdays, Dale. I won't answer. I'm bowling. <laughs> you just, I'm from your stock. So uh, go, Grandma. Uh, so my story is in honor of senior citizens who are the fastest growing cannabis clientele finally so seniors not the high school kind uh we are bringing you this story from daniel de vice and he is noticing a trend that illustrates what a long strange trip the legalization movement has been 
the share of over 65 Americans who have used cannabis nearly tripled in the last decade from 11 percent in 09 to 32 percent in 2019, according to respected federal survey on drug use. More than half of the 60 to 64 demographic reported cannabis use, another sharp increase. Uh, cannabis consumption among older adults reached 35 percent in 2021. The pandemic likely affected the survey methodology. So this is uh, likely skewing the results. And on a side note, is grandma admitting it yet to pollsters? Hard to say. Uh, the graying of cannabis culture signals the broadening social acceptance of cannabis, which is now available for adult use in 23 states. It's also a generational story about the aging baby boomers, a generation that grew up in an era of psychotropic experimentation, and I will add the crackdown on the war on drugs. Cannabis use for many older Americans is less about getting high and more about getting sleep and pain relief and calm. Cannabis users find relief from pain from arthritic joints, old broken bones, and aching backs and necks. Older Americans remain far less likely than younger adults to use cannabis regularly. Roughly 5% of over 65 Americans and 10% of the 60 to 64 age group reported using marijuana in the past month as of 2021, compared to 24% of adults 25 and under. Some skittish boomers who use weed are simply not admitting it on surveys. Um, since 2009, we have seen a big increase in cannabis use prevalence across all age groups, all demographic groups, with older people participating in that. Uh, kind of for the first time, said William Kerr, senior scientist at the nonprofit Alcohol Research Group, who also studies cannabis. And this year, for the first time, Gallup pollsters found that Half of Americans have tried, or is admitting to try, cannabis. That figure comes from a long-running poll, which found that 34% of adults had tried cannabis in 1999, way up from 4% in 1969. Older adults have been slower to accept legal weed, let alone smoke it. As recently as last fall, only 30% of Americans over 75 supported legalizing adult cannabis. So apparently my grandma is in the minority and you need to call your grandma and come out and have this conversation. Uh, that quotient reflects the views of the silent generation, Americans born between 1928 and 1945, a group that came of age before legal medical cannabis had taken hold. And, you know, side note, this is the World War II generation. It's really the silent generation and every generation before that care said they weren't exposed to it when they were young and had negative opinions about it for their lifetime. Some of them were completely against it even up until five or ten years ago, completely against it, never used it. Uh, and the conversation really changed when cannabis became mainstream and their children started educating them about it, said Kimberly Carlisle, CEO of Therapeutic Alternative in Sacramento. The advent of adult dispensaries with counter service and daytime hours was a game changer for boomers, many of whom winced at the thought of meeting dude in a parking lot at twilight. Uh, and, you know, the boomer generation is finally saying that they can trust this now. Just about anyone over 45 has some kind of chronic pain. Uh, and, you know, this can substitute perhaps some of those pills that make it so hard to have quality of life. Um, older cannabis users have their own sensibilities in the marketplace. So shout out to you, uh, procurement officers and buyers, to uh, keep that in mind in what you're bringing into the shelf. They're more likely than younger customers to choose edibles, tinctures, caps 
capsules or salves as opposed to vaping or smoking. And researchers also don't know much about how cannabis affects older Americans, mostly because the elderly users have been too small a group to study. So by comparison to younger users, seniors are relatively risk averse. They like the security of a set dose and they tend to choose lower doses. They do not like surprises. And I do agree in closing with Michael Sophis, director of research at the Cannabis Public Policy Consulting, who said they care about potency and they care about safety. So with that, I am Dale Sky Jones, the Executive Chancellor for Oaksterdam University, bringing you your hit of hope with the largest block of voters and donors, and hopefully good times with Grandma and Grandpa. Thank you. Back to you. Are you are you, are you meaning donors as in campaign donors or organ donors, Dale? Oh, ouch, ouch. Yes, and nobody wants old organs. Don't worry, Dale. He's an idiot. <laughs> That is not true. There is a massive secondary market for kidneys and corneas, yes. and I invite you to consider yeah. how you can monetize your neighbors. Off the rails. Old <laughs> organs play, old organs play the best not youth. Educate mm-hmm. your elders. Have the conversation. They don't like to do illegal things. Now, now, Dale, um, I have a question real quick. Isn't the definition of a senior citizen anyone 55 and over? Yeah, and we're all creeping towards that, brother. So well, that's, just, I, I understand that. So that would mean anyone that was born in 68 or earlier would be considered a senior citizen. The next trademark ripoff is going to be a collab between ACDC and AARP, and it's going to be targeted just for you and your friends, Jason. Well, well, well my, 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 my point being is that is that I is is that I'm 45 now, and so 55. That so basically anyone that that was born in 68 or or earlier, and so I'm just thinking as a kid, all the people that I knew that were 10 years older or older than me that were smokers, and I just think just a more of those people were involved in the drug trade and the drug life and different types of things during that time, and that's the reason that you have so many so many uh, people growing into this base right now is because a lot of these people are just now hitting that senior age status and because there's a lot more of them it's you're getting this high peak up right now i i, I think that um, um neglecting this category is going to be the biggest i'm not saying to neglect it you make a retailer well and listen I'm not saying like, you testimonially are, and overall yeah. They came they cracked down on their kids during the war on drugs and they're the the kids of the kids. So this has been this is also like they feel like hypocrites now coming out and consuming something out out loud. Like this is an actual issue for folks and until it's legal, uh truly legal, it is it is hard for our elders to approach this conversation. They don't feel comfortable with it. They are risk averse. Agreed. And uh, after after they took up all our social I security, I disagree. You don't know how many old people I got trying to talk to me about cannabis. <laughs> I'm not talking about my mom, just to be clear. That's where I found it first, but largely just out out there. I think I think the biggest problem with seniors is education. I think many have heard the horror stories um, and are concerned about today's products being much more. Uh, potent than they were used to back in the day when they may have consumed uh, in the 60s or 70s and when they were all loving it back then. Uh, I mean, Dr. Talleran, what would you say about that? That's your crowd, ain't it? Damn. Damn, everyone just (laughs) jammed up. You don't need to take that sitting down, young man. (laughs) 
according to uh, uh, according to uh, Jason, I am a senior citizen. Yes, uh, but I think this is really the Nixon generation that they're talking about. What's interesting to me is that this is the generation that started uh, the Schedule One. Right. This is Nixon who started Schedule One, and and now they have come full circle and are interested in using cannabis. So. I, I don't know. I think it's just a normal journey of life, the circle of life. Yeah. You know what it's we need to say to me that Jason. the flower children are back on the flower. That's right. Jason, <laughs> I got your next business venture for you. You're going to partner with your bestie, the My Pillow guy, and start doing some cannabis infused pillows. I could just see um, the two I, of you CB, marketing CBD, that. CBD infused pillows. He would do. He CBD would. pillows. Remember yeah. the, the CBD. Does he already do that? No. The, well, the, well, they. I saw they. I saw they did make CBD toilet paper. I did see that. So, that was so somebody's biting saying. on those uh, CBD yeah. pillows right now. But no, I would totally about. do that with Mike Lindell. I'm. I'm. I'm all. I'm all game with that to uh, do CBD pillow. My pillows. All. All about that. And and we'll do CBD bed sheets too and socks probably also. You don't want to do CBD bed sheets because CBD is an anti-inflammatory. And when you're in your bed sheets, you want to be as engorged as possible, my friend. It's helping you to Mike stop Lindell. your flame. So my, Mike Lindell. CBD uh, placebo. Nobody talks about that. Mike, Mike, Mike uh, Lindell's uh, pillows are infused with something else. You know what I'm saying? Oh man! But, um, <laughs> we got to move to Omar. <laughs> home today is the legendary founder of a boutique law offices in California, New York. Also a purple belt in high style Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So y'all better watch out because just like the late great Rex Quando, he does reserve the right to break the wrist and walk away. Omar Figueroa, what you Thank got, Preston? Uh, happy Friday, everyone. My story is from WANE 15, and it's by Joe Carroll. The headline is, Marijuana Legalization Question Will Be on Ohio's Fall Ballot After Lawmakers Failed to Act on It. A proposal to legalize recreational adult use of marijuana in Ohio was cleared Wednesday to appear on statewide ballots this fall after the Republican-led state legislature failed to act on it. The measure would allow adults 21 and over to buy and possess up to 2.5 ounces of cannabis and to grow plants at home. A 10% tax would be imposed on purchases to be spent on administrative costs, addiction treatment programs, municipalities with dispensaries, and social equity jo and jobs programs. Republican Secretary of State Frank LaRose determined that the Coalition to Regulate Marijuana-Like Alcohol had submitted 127,000 valid signatures, more than the 124,000 needed to put the question before voters on November 7th. In July, organizers had originally submitted fewer signatures than required, but were given 10 days to try again. During that grace period, they collected an additional 4,000 valid signatures. If the issue passes, Ohio would become the 24th state to legalize cannabis for adult use. This isn't groundbreaking, Tom Heron, a coalition spokesperson said in a statement when the signatures were submitted. We're just trying to get Ohio in line with neighbors like Michigan and Illinois. The proposal had a long journey to the ballot. LaRose first submitted petitions to the Ohio General Assembly on behalf of the coalition on January 28, 2022, triggering a four-month countdown for lawmakers to act. Republican legislative leaders indicated they did not intend to vote the proposal into law. Legislators also asserted that the coalition's petition signatures weren't turned in time to make the 2022 ballot. 
The coalition sued and in the settlement ultimately agreed to wait until 2023. Marijuana has been legal for medical use in the state since 2016. The headline is, Marijuana legalization question will be on Ohio's fall ballot after lawmakers fail to act on it. And my take is that this adult legalization measure will likely increase voter turnout by younger voters in the Buckeye state. If it passes, we will have 24 states where cannabis is legal for adults, which in my opinion is a sufficient critical mass. Time for the federal government to deschedule cannabis. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and Ganjie instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations for Hyatt 9, High Noon Eastern. Oh, yeah, yeah man. Exactly. Sounds like they're going to be hunting in Ohio, man. Yeah, that's going to be. Uh, what you got? You got it, Rico? What's coming? What's coming? My concern, you know, as always, is there we go. There we go. What was that, Dr. T? My concern, like always, is make sure the medical patients have their access. Don't restrict dosage. What about the kids? The kids also need cannabis. Uh, that's my what. That's my only concerns. As long as those things are taken care of, have at it with your legalization. Nick Lachey is crying alone in a shower right now. That's the beginning of a great boy band song. Oh, crying alone in the shower? That's You're familiar with that <laughs> one, Jason Beck. Never. He was supposed never. to be at the forefront of all this legalization in Ohio. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I just I hope in this bill, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, James is asking if they have home grow. I'm pretty sure that they do have allow for home grow in this bill. Don't don't quote me on it, but I, it, it does. You're all right. I'm getting the sign off from Omar that it does. And on top of it, I, I just you know what I really hope Omar more than anything. I hope they can just go to an actual accurate size to the eighth as opposed to being it sold by the tenth. Yes, three tenths. I mean, two point. Well, it, this is actually a two point five ounces, which is fairly generous compared to, say, California, which is no, only no, one no, 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 no. I think the reason that it's two point five ounces is because they only sell a tenth of a tenth of an eighth as the increment that you purchase, as opposed to being able to purchase an eighth. So then that way you can buy twenty five tenths as your max purchase. That's why I'm willing to bet that they did that. Is uh, John Boehner still uh, still around? Did he, or did he did he just cash out with that couple of billy he made? Um, I mean, Anchorage is still around, and he's still the chairman of the board. I mean, you should know. Both of you guys do the spray tan, right? I'm um, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop, stop the ridiculousness. You thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Gretchen, Gretchen just laughs just On for that the note. sake of any to laugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay, no, we are at the top of the hour, everybody. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of High at 9 News. You can catch us live weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to the super fans showing love, getting their comments up live on the big screen, and the live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in for the conversations on the daily headlines of chaos. To our vetted correspondent team from tuning in from all over, big shout out to Dale Sky Jones coming in on the uh, um, 
the guest shot today. And our, our vetted correspondent team tuning in, bringing as much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and all of our sponsors keeping the lights on and the AV struggles to a minimum. And the lovely Zsa Simone holding things down on all the other platforms too. And um, always, Ken Bastiva L, the reason the High Nine News team reads these headlines daily. Thank you. It has been Friday, August 18th, 2023. The show is over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street for High at Nine News. Dr. Talleyrand, you got the outro today. What you got for us? Uh, like I've been saying, legalize it, but don't forget about the medical patients, especially the children. Yes, Have a good weekend, guys. <laughs>